Hello and welcome to this Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 2nd or 3rd of June 2021 as part of Sustainable Wine's Future of Wine Americas Conference 2021. We'd very much like to thank the sponsors of that conference, BSI, Bodega Argento, Jackson Family Wines, International Wineries for Climate Action and Avenea. Thank you to all of those groups for their important support and I hope you enjoy the session. Well, thank you everyone for joining today. We have an excellent panel discussion. We're going to start off with some introductions, a little bit of background, and then go into a few minutes on uh, with each of our presenters to discuss their specific applications in circular economy and also some <laughs> key goals and hopefully some shout outs to what we can do in the industry. I'll give a brief intro to myself. My name is Carrie George. I'm the vice president and Head of Sustainability and Impact at Everledger. Everledger is an emerging, uh, emerging technology company that is working across a number of different industries, including wines and spirits, looking at how tracking and tracking sustainability metrics can enable both consumer engagement and consumer confidence and claims, um, but also the impact on the ground and, and impacting circularity. <laughs> I'm going to kick it off first to Barbara, and Barbara, please introduce yourself, and then we'll go around the circle and, and uh, go into our deeper presentations. Thank you, Carrie. Hi, my name is Barbara Wolf. Um, I'm, I'm um, Chief of Corporate Affairs and, and Sustainability and Innovation at BSPT Wine Group. Um, BSPT is the second largest wine producer of Chile and a top 10 producer from Argentina, so we are across both side of the Andes. And yep, I've been involved with sustainability leading this area for the last 13 years, almost. I'm very happy to hear. I hope to um, exceed your expectations and let's make it fun. Welcome. Thank you, Carrie. And Karen? Well, thank you, Carrie. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Karen McNamara. I am the founder and CEO of Conscious Container. And Conscious Container is bringing returnable, refillable glass bottles back into our U.S. infrastructure and economy. Uh, we are doing this across all categories, wine, beer, non-alcoholic, and actually in the food industry. And this is, as far as we're concerned, in particular in the wine industry, this is the last mile of sustainability. And we'll talk a little bit more. I'll share more um, about what we're doing and, and how the wine industry um, we believe we'll embrace where we're going and what we're doing. So thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Karen and Paul. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you might be. Um, my name is Paul Folks, based in London. Um, I am a circular economy consultant, which I've been doing for a number of years. I've sp actually spent a good 20 odd years working in beers, wines and spirits. I ran a, a wine branding agency for uh, 10 years from 2000 up to 2010. And I am getting very much back into the wine industry again um, through my circular economy work, but also um, in a joint venture with another, um, you know, branding expert agency called Denomination. So uh, more on that later. Excellent. Thank you. Well, for the audience, we had a brief conversation just to get to know each other. We're really excited um, to get to know each other personally and professionally. And what we thought we would do is really start off kicking with Barbara talking about the, the wine business and then move into packaging and then this overview of circularity um, with Paul. So Barbara, can you talk more about what you're doing and just introduce the whole world of circularity that you guys are embracing? All right, thank you. So um, before we get started, I think it's important to remember that there are three principles that need to be taken into consideration when, when talking about circular economy, right? So back to the cradle to cradle concept, the first principle um, is you have to design out everything what has to do with waste and, and pollution and contamination, right? Second principle is to keep products and materials in use. What we call in Spanish is circularizable or circularizable, or circularizable. I don't know the word, exact word in English, sorry for that. 
And the third pr uh, principle is to respect and re regenerate the natural system. So when you have this, when, when you take into account these three principles, you need to look at your productive chain, your whole productive chain and assess the potential negative impacts that you can produce or generate when producing wine and, and commercializing wine. So in our case, we have different initiatives tackling all these three principles. And I'm gonna refer to three main examples. Um, so I hope uh, there are more initiatives, but I hope they're they inspire you enough. So the first one is um, waste management. Uh, so remember first principle, take pollution and, and, and waste um, eradicate it from your, from your chain. So, and what we've done here in, in terms of waste management, management are different things, but uh, the policy or the, the goal we have here is zero industrial waste to landfill. Okay, so that may sound kind of very hygienic, but it's not because the way you do it and you, the way you manage, it's highly important as well. So what, what you're doing here is um, in terms of uh, organic waste, uh, where 75 of our, um, waste comes from the harvest, uh, is that we are biodigesting it, it and by biodigesting it, we're producing two types of energy, clean energy and renewable energy. We're producing electricity and we're producing thermal energy, which we are using for our own uh, vinification process, as well as connecting it to the national Chilean grid when possible. So what we have here as an output are two very positive consequences. First one is waste management. The end result of this waste is actually a uh, bio, bio fertilizer that comes back to the vineyards, making sure our soils are healthy. And the second positive is impact is that by doing this, we're producing renewable energy. So checked. Second uh, way to, to, to tackle this uh, is packaging. Packaging is also uh, back to the pr second principle. So circular, circularity and, and making sure that your waste can become um, a natural resource bag or make sure that it is recyclable and so on. Well, and back in last year, we launched an um, eco-policy, eco-design policy, where we will uh, actually target three main goals. Uh, the first one is to reduce the, the, the average weight, uh, weight of our bottles in our entire portfolio and take into account that we produce a more, more or less 13 million cases a year, uh, which is a huge challenge. Second one is to, to ensure that we use the less um, level of packaging. I mean, we're we're gonna get ready of some things that we may consider unnecessary. For instance, we're researching the, the, the role of capsules in the, in the next years. And the third, uh, and the third um, pillar within this, which we believe is also very, very important is education. Make sure that you get, give the, you allow your consumers and you help your consumers to make a responsible, disposable of the waste after consuming our wines. Um, I think I'm done with in terms of time. I, I had another example, but maybe we can leave it uh, to the end of this presentation. Um, okay, well, let's, let's pause there. And Karen, why don't we go to you and talk more about the packaging and uh, the container work that you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Barbara, for giving us the, the lay of the land in regards to circular. So, what I'd like to do is just kind of take you through a little bit of how I speak about conscious container to folks so you get some, some grounding on, on the packaging side. And really the way I always start is that, you know, we've got a single use packaging waste crisis across the world. You know, it's getting into our oceans, into our environment. And here in the States and I think around the world, you know, single use packaging is taxing are, are kind of our waste and recycling systems. In fact, they're taking glass out of recycling systems uh, in places across the United States, as an example. And then the other piece about single-use packaging, where we think that a returnable, refillable bottle is, is very beneficial, is as we're moving forward, and it's happening in Scotland right now, and it's coming to the United States, is that you know, businesses are going to be re responsible for their end-of-life packaging waste it's coming, extended producer responsibility and so forth. So, so we think that there's some 
really great opportunities when you look at a refillable system. So what Conscious Container is bringing forward is a system that where we sell, collect, wash, and resell that refillable glass bottle. And this is done all around the world. And it's just not here in the United States. And these systems are, 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 are you know, they, they reduce producer packaging costs. You know, it helps them to meet their sustainability goals. So there's a lot of really strong value propositions. And in particular in wineries, this is the last mile. The packaging, you know, we can lightweight it and, 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 and you know, look at different packaging solutions, which I still think is, is a good idea. But really, when you talk about the emission and the carbon footprint of that product, that package, it is primarily left in that, in that glass container. And the other piece that we're looking at as we move forward is, is really how do we bring intelligence into that bottle? So we're looking at a, at a smart bottle. And then the last thing is, is that really when we talk about what we're bringing to the marketplace is we're, we're enabling wineries to look at their full circular, you know, what is a circular winery? It's the internal pieces, right? that Barbara was talking about, but really looking at it holistically, you have to consider the package as it goes out in, into, into the environment. So really with, with a returnable bottle, the way that, that we're working with wineries is really to reduce your CO2 footprint. The cost of that bottle will go down over time and is proven in, in a mature system. And it also addresses the waste challenge that we are all going to be responsible for as we go forward as businesses, where this is an asset that continues to circulate, it's not waste. And I think that that, you know, really shifting the conversation from reducing waste and having this packaging is that package is actually an asset. And let's figure out how we can move it through a system, not only, you know, economically viable, but environmentally viable. So one of the pieces that we feel is very important is when you look, when we talk about a circular winery, it includes that packaging and circular and returnable bottles. You know, it, there, there's nothing else that compares to it. And, you know, there's some challenges with setting up that infrastructure, but that's what, what we're moving forward in regards to to working with wineries, we're working with breweries, working with in the non-alcoholic category. Uh, these systems are all around the world. And for a winery, it really is a powerful option to, to really fully to be, because we're, we're talking about, you know, a full circular winery. And the costs, yeah, there's some upfront costs to, to, to moving in that, you know, you have to have wash off labels. But as that as the that bottle circulates, the benefits uh, to not only exceeding your sustainability demands, but really what it brings to wineries, um, there's nothing else that compares to it at this point. So I'm gonna stop there um, in regards to the packaging, and we'll I'm sure get into more later. But thank you. Thank you, Karen. That's a really great um, pushing us into these discussions and getting us on track with what the what is really possible and we'll get into more details, I know. Paul, do you wanna kick it off with some of your observations and the work you do? And then we can start with more of the interaction among all of us. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I've been working in the wine industry for a couple of decades. I've done an awful lot of work in Portugal, but also um, in more recent years, been working in England, who when I first used to talk about wine at conferences, I said, one day we will have award-winning English wines and lo and behold it happened and uh, I really got excited when um, I did work with um, an English brand called Red Hill Farm Estate who are a very very low impact winery and what I love is that um, there's no weeding, um, butterflies and insects everywhere, it's just a mess but the grapes are fine you know and this was a big shock for me having seen these beautiful vineyards all beautifully weeded not a bit of biodiversity um, left and uh, that really got me thinking as I became more and more involved in circular economy consulting you know what we could do for wineries across the world and how to do it quickly because 
you know, I have this vision that wine is the educator. Wine can make us change our behavior in everything that we do and live a circular lifestyle. And, you know, I live plastic free, I live meat free, but I don't live circular. I can't, it's just impossible. And I need to, and I need people, you know, like Barbara and Karen to help me live my circular life. But more than that, I do believe that, you know, local spirits, um, local wines can really help educate the wider public. People are, and, and research, you know, from wine intelligence and others tells us that the wine drinker is more connected to nature. They are <clears throat> more aware of what is going on in our world. So I decided the quickest way was to sort of team up with a branding agency who already work in the wine world. So um, I have teamed up with a company called Denomination, who've got offices in San Francisco, in London, in Sydney. You know, they work with huge, a huge amount of wine brands, big famous name brands like Penfolds and so on, you know, brands that you will know. Um, and to do what we want to do, and we're all pretty passionate about making the world a better place, we needed to kind of think holistically about winemaking, about viticulture, about things like herbicides and pesticides. You know, I want to live pesticide free. I want to live herbicide free. I have all these great aims. And how do we do that? How can we do that commercially? Because it's all well and good being a campaigner and an ecologist like me, but I live in a commercial world and I work in a commercial world. So how do you develop an offer An offer as a circular economy consultant whereby the world's biggest wineries go, hey, that's fine. We'll just abandon everything we've been doing for the past 50 years and, and go back kind of ab initio, so to speak, and, and look at everything again. So, you know, I've spent the last eight months working intensely on this kind of um, idea around circularity um, and ultimately doing lots and lots and lots of academic research, um, really questioning everything that we do and come up with this idea, which is called absolute circularity. And it is the opposite. It's nothing like recycling. People still think across the world, even in industry, that circular economy is just about recycling. And recycling is really the beginning. It's almost like the first step to understanding circularity. Circularity is about keeping all the resource in the loop. If you put a thousand kilos into the loop, you take out a thousand. If you are really clever, you take out a thousand and ten. I mean, there are businesses in the world that get out more exactly. than they put in. So, you know, really, we have a long way to go. And, you know, the wine industry isn't wasteful. It is super sustainable as an industry. It's one of the best industries in terms of sustainability. And in terms of, you know, encouraging biodiversity, it's one of the best, but it can be better. So really, um, all of my work over the past few years has been working with brands like Red Hill Farm Estate, working with Silent Pool Gin, which is a super circular gin system. And, you know, really trying to understand how we can sort of get to this kind of zero impact, total circularity, and spread that across the wine industry, not in 10 years time, like tomorrow, like tomorrow mm -hmm. is the first day of absolute circularity. And you know, that is why I'm here. That's why I'm on my platform, shouting about let's save the world. Let's save our bees. Let's save our butterflies. And you, the wine industry, can help us do that. So, you know, super happy to be here and, you know, with a, you know, such a great panel this uh, this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, these were just a little bit more elaborate introductions and in some of your focus areas. Uh, in terms of a few questions, I wanted to go back to Barbara and maybe this will cross over to Paul a little. Um, you know, a lot of what we're talking about when we talk about circularity, particularly when we're talking about the production of an agriculture good or a wine product, it comes to these claims that might be in, baked into it, organic versus, you know, this type of practice. 
you know, using things for biofuels, water source, uh, water uh, consumption and water use, and then water, um, uh, you know, off, uh, you know, uh, sorry, um, I'm thinking of mine words and I'm like not disposal, but, you know, different types of things that we were doing in agriculture. And um, talk to me a little bit about what your priorities are as a company that's taking this really serious um, and why. And then does that or does that not translate to your consumer engagement? A lot of what I do with Everledger is, you know, we've put these wine tags on to prevent fraud, but also to communicate with the consumer some of the value of the, the bottle, including sustainability claims. So I'm curious what translates from priorities for a sustainability impact and then what goes to the consumer because it matters to the consumer. I am here. I'm back. <laughs> so, um, in terms, of, um, so we have two questions here. Um, let me start with the priorities. I, I think it's important to understand that uh, setting priorities is a is a result of understanding your major negative impacts, right? So you can't do everything, but you need to start somewhere. Uh, in our case, our priorities are based on water usage. So we have a claim, not a claim, but we have a goal where um, using water not only responsibly, but 100% but by precision is, is key to us. You know, Chile, central Chile has been facing um, several droughts th throughout the last six to eight years. And, and water is a resource that we know it is limited, at least um, not salty water. Uh, and we need to use it to, to make it to, to, to have a responsible use for it. The second priority is everything what has to do, as, as I mentioned before, with waste. You know, um, as, as Paul mentioned before, and, and, and Karen did, uh, did it very nicely, waste should be an asset uh, in order to, to convert it to another thing. It, it shouldn't be seen as something bad. Or if it, in, in, in the case it is bad, it is, it, it is actually a, a problem of design, right? And with information and with the technology we have today, waste shouldn't be waste. It should be as a, a, something that is capable to, to convert into something else. And this is the, 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 the main idea about circularity. Another thing, and another priority to us, and, and it's a very important one too, a strategic one, it has to do uh, specifically with climate action, which is uh, converting our, ourselves into carbon neutral by tw uh, 2050. And by doing this, we need to uh, have um, um, a very, uh, a very strong agenda that, um, that, um, that uh, a very strong agenda in, in terms of um, um, renewable energy, energies. I mean, we can't we can't uh, see ourselves uh, being uh, carbon neutral by just compensating. It's about managing your footprint, right? And reducing it effect effectively. And by doing this, we have set up ourselves the goal to uh, not only buy renewable energy, but also being a heavy producer of re uh, renewable energy, mainly through this biogas plant, but also through solar panels. In fact, we have today if, uh, 12 different states along Chile with, with solar panels and we're pumping our water only through solar panels and renewable energy. So I'd say that waste, uh, waste management and, and not also management, but also looking at your productive chain on how to reduce the amount of waste you, you, you produce. Renewable energies, carbon footprint, eco-design, packaging is huge. As Karen mentioned before, you, you can't, this last mile, which seems to be, you know, the consumers or whatever, the pu public sector responsibility and taking out the garbage, the garbage of, of, of your house, it's not, it's not. This is something that we need to address together. Producers, consumers, and public sector, and address it. And, and, and this law that Karen was mentioning, the, R, the responsibility extended producer responsibility, it's, it's key in order to achieve that. And water, of course, is part of, I mean, water is life. If we do not use, uh, use it responsibly and by precision, there is no, I mean, there is, we can't start talking about anything. 
Exactly. And, well, and, and in, in oh, terms of, sorry. And the second question was, do we are we trying if, if there is a, a if there is if, if this agenda connects with the consumer today? Well, this is a question I've had several times in different conversation, and I guess, and I, and I guess we've. I'm not in the marketing area. I'm, I'm not in the sales team and sustainability, but I, I I have worked a lot with marketing in the past, and I guess this is something that's like the egg of their chicken, and it, it, this trend will come, and it's coming in a very accelerated way, and I, and I believe this is going to be something that. Um, it's gonna make you different, and it's gonna be your uh, not only your um, um, advantage, but also it's gonna be your must. You know, consumers. I think that in the short term or the medium terms, cons consumers will start getting more conscious when purchasing something. They will uh, start asking for more transparency possibility, those things are going to be on the, the on our agenda. And I, I, I really hope that this this happens like this, because if producers get the, the pressure, we will all together start doing things better. You know, we need to change the way we produce. We need to start thinking in a different and a more holistic way. I couldn't agree more. You know, Paul, some questions are coming in from the audience. Yes, I'm seeing those talking questions. about sustainability metrics and yeah, I, maybe you can build on Barbara's comments and Absolutely. talk about priorities. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I've just come out of a UN meeting to join this one. I need to go back in at the end of this meeting, which is about biodiversity, climate change, um, and the road to COP26. So <clears throat> there's a lot happening this year. G7 meeting coming up, COP26 at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, ultimately, yes, there are a lot of metrics that we need to be measuring. But if you look at the, um, the UN's um, Sustainable Development Goals, which I'm sure many of you know, these 17 SDGs, <clears throat> there are 17 of them. And the ones which are being hit, the ones which are being achieved are the non-environmental ones. So the ones where people are making progress are very much the ones where they are not to do with the environment, which is sad, worrying, and also pretty worrying given, you know, the wine industry very much depends on, you know, having a, a stable climate or at least having some feel of what may happen. So yes, there are lots of metrics. And I think one of the, um, the difficulties that you have in, in talking circularity and, and yeah, absolutely reframing waste as resource is there are many, many different ways of getting certified. You can be carbon neutral, you can be climate neutral, you can be organic, you can be BREAM certified for your building, you can be 1% for the planet, you know, you can be um, so many different certifications that B Corp, I mean, there are so many different things that you might want to be, and it's about focus. Um, you really need to sort of, you know, um, look at the whole picture and you know i'm seeing another question from maxime yes the s and the g of the esgs are absolutely important if you look at you know diageo and where they're focused they are focused right across the esgs um it's not just you know looking at water or looking at biodiversity it's right across so there's a lot to look at i think there are solutions and this is where again my my absolute kind of zeal in talking to people is that you know i'm trying to find out how we can turn waste into paper and carton we are deforesting to print wine labels you may not believe it but we are we are deforesting to make cartons to ship wine bottles around in you know these are not all fsc trees yeah we have so much agri waste in the world and i found out i've been talking to pulp people because you have to go backwards. If they can get any dry matter, leaves, stalks, as long as it's dry, they can turn it into carton. If it's wet, no chance. So as long as we can get dry agri-waste into the pulp stream, we don't need to keep chopping down so many trees. Tree planting is a, is a fault. It's a fake 
kind of uh, fake news story because those are not trees, they're saplings. They are very, very young trees. I have been tree planting. Um, they are not what's going to save us. So, you know, reforestation, rewilding, super important and all part of this. So um, I won't carry on because there's piles of questions coming in and I can't keep up. And I think Karen's probably got more to add to this as well. Carrie, back to you. Definitely. I think, well, you know, some of the things I'd love to comment on, I've worked in uh, a lot of different industries, I, not directly in the wine industry, really until I came to Everledger and their work with Avery Dennison on, you know, labels and tracking um, through smart labeling. I think it, one of the things I've seen in other industries is cross-industry collaboration. Mm -hmm. and the wine industry doesn't have to do this all on its own. You know, there's, there's already prioritization out there for different types of agriculture in different climate zones and other things. So, you know, it might be interesting in this group as a follow-on for those that are asking questions in the audience to talk to a group of us. If we get a handful together to say, these are our targets for 10 group, 10 wine producers or 10 actors or 15 or a hundred, there's, uh, it's amazing how, how quickly that can take on because there's a lot of work already out there in, in prioritization. So please don't spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on things that, you know, are really clear indicators for that when you can do board. But I, I will say on the, the label making side and going into Karen's world, smart labeling is something that's out there, especially in the plastics recycling world, because they're trying to figure out how to make it possible to either reuse or, or move into a circular product and labels become a big problem. So Karen, this is your world. I'd love for you to just dive in and, and give some shape um, to some of the things you touched on from, you know, washable labels to collection maybe. And, and let's, let's get into the discussion of even consumer engagement um, on how we can get some momentum. So there's a whole lot there. Um, I'm just going to start through a couple of things I, I've been hearing in the conversation so far and, you know, specific to the wine industry. And I think where Barbara spoke about, this is a collective effort. This is, you know, not just about conscious container, right? It's not about a particular winery um, and it needs to be holistic. This is a collective effort for us to begin to shift into a real circular economy world. And so I, I really applaud, you know, that, that kind of thinking. I mean, Conscious Container was founded as a benefit corporation because what we're doing is really important, right? We have a very tangible asset that, that's going to be moving in a circular, a circular way, but how we do business collectively is really how we're going to really uh, tip, tip the scales here. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and then on the, on the label and, and bottle size side, uh, you know, um, in a washing scenario where the bottles are coming back in those labels are wash off labels and they're typically of a fiber that you know mm, you know in the wine industry could be a little bit more challenging but a lot of those fibers can be reused so they come off in the wash and then they're collected they're dried and, and they can be sent off for recycling so there's um there's some goodness around that uh but on the on, and on the bottle side you know, for a winery, and I actually do have some examples, I can share some specific numbers on some examples, but, you know, this, this package is, it's, it's a, it's an asset that's that that is circulating. And Carrie, what you mentioned earlier is that we are going to be putting unique QR codes on each one of those bottles. So we are, are one of the pieces that's really critical to this whole industry in regards to reusables is how many turns that has that bottle taken, you know, what's the right weight for us to design that bottle on the, on the up, upstream side so that we can design it for the most efficient, how many, how many cycles, and then there's the shipping, right? So a lot to be considered with, with all of that. Um, one of the other packaging aspects is, is we were awarded a greenhouse gas reuse grant here in California. And by the way, we are based in California and our business is in, in the San Francisco North Bay, the, the wine region is we were awarded a, a CalRecycle Greenhouse Gas Reuse Grant specifically for the wine industry. So we are right now launching a tasting room bottle collection program, but we are also working with a reusable tote program. So, so this reusable tote 
is already going out and wine club to wine club customers. And then the tote is coming back. We are going to be putting wine bottles in that tote as it comes back. It's already coming back. It doesn't cost anymore because FedEx and, and the shipper ship by, by dimension, not weight. So that's a perfect example of to what Paul was saying. Let's move away from that, those cardboard containers. If we're going to use them, let's design them so that they can, that those, those assets can go back in the box and they can come back a little bit, you know, loop is doing a little bit like that. So, so really kind of thinking more about all, all the ways that we can be circular about, about the overall business and how we move that product um, and that asset in, into the marketplace so that as much as possible, we get it back. And I'm, I can stop there. I've got some actual numbers examples, but I'll wait, Carrie, and, and we can, I can talk about that in a minute. I think we should go into the numbers examples. I was just going to, you know, a couple more claps to you on and maybe emphasize one of the things in the reverse logistics, which is kind of an outdated term at this point, it's more of the 70s to 80s term. And I still use it because I'm old and I, I that was what I studied in grad school. But when you look at thinking about you working with the, you know, the FedEx and the shipping to understand, okay, these are the right dimensions. This is what we do. Let's make this a reusable shipping container. I was just working um, yesterday. I, I uh, use a, 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 a service thread up. It's, it's for used clothing and you get different types of clothes. You get the box. And I went to UPS and the box you're supposed to reuse, but they made me put tape all over it, you know, again. So Whereas if you use something like a rent the runway, they they send you a reusable package that's already been designed for a UPS, for a USPS, for a FedEx that is is durable. So uh, maybe talk just a little bit more about your your shipping containers and, and go into the numbers. I think that's great because I these are all very thoughtful points that people should be utilizing, replicating, scaling your work. And I, I think it's really powerful. So yeah, a lot has to, it, there's the whole upstream converse, the design side of it that, that I, I believe we're coming off. There's a lot of um, really smart people uh, designing and we didn't design the code. It was actually designed by livery uh, just as a, as a side note. Uh, but reverse logistics, I still call it that. So I don't, it, it's still, you know, that, that, that is the term is that we're going to be approaching this. We do not want to own a fleet of trucks. That's not our objective. We want to look into existing infrastructure, tap into existing infrastructures, right? And what's already out there. There's trucks, there's vehicles, there's movement happening. And all we want to do is tap into that, right? That, that is definitely our strategy. And, and we've already started implementing some of that. So so that's one side on the reverse logistics. Uh, the technology side, you know, how can we how can we engage consumers in this? It either has to be either has to be convenient or incented. That's how we get consumers engaged. And we talked about the bottle on the shelf. The bottles that are going on the shelf, they have reuse. I have one sitting right over here. Sorry, um, that it says return reuse on it. So part of that education is right there on the shelf. We think that's a great benefit. Um, and then. The, the, the last piece is that, you know, this is from a numbers perspective. There are, I'm going to talk on the brewery side because we don't have examples here in the States or very, very many places with wine, but there is a craft brewer in Oregon who bottles, every, they're all reusable bottles. They're branded. And he, he has a 15 to 20% lower packaging costs for his 12 ounce bottle and a 25 to 40% overall, overall packaging cost for his 500 mil bottles. And there's a brewery in Missoula, Montana, Byron Brewing. And that was, that was sorry, that was Double Mountain up in, in Oregon. And in Missoula, Montana, there is Byron Brewing. And I, I, uh, I'll send out if somebody even asked me, but there's a video out there about the program Eco League. They have, people are bringing bottles back to their facility. They actually have a bottle washer in their craft brewery. And they are right now, it's 50% of their inventory comes back, their bottles come back. And those bottles right now, it's a 50% lower cost for his glass. And, and that's just simple, small economics. Both of these brewers are experiencing lower costs. And also there are, 
they haven't done their CO2, their greenhouse gas analysis, but from a cost perspective, because we were, wanted to talk about that, they're proving it, it's happening. You know, and it, it's funny because when we, when I first got into these sustainability activities, everyone is trying to prove it because it's the good thing to do, but it is amazing how quickly it can, especially when you're talking about circularity, it can get into the benefits. And if you're using existing infrastructure, like you say, you beg, you borrow. In some cases, I've worked on licensing agreements between different groups that may have developed a special IP on packaging. Um, there's so many opportunities to do this and uh, the the prices really start adding up very quickly or the cost savings or even the efficiencies or you know, um, different benefits from a branding perspective and consumer engagement. Barbara, let's go back to you. I think you did say you wanted to go through another case. I don't know if we hit it again, but there's a lot of questions coming in on water and prioritization. And also, does the wine industry have a, a you know key prioritization or metrics or targets? Um, maybe you can talk about what you're doing as a leader, what you do with peers and competitors. Uh, you know, a little bit elaborate more for the audience here on how they can look to what you're doing and what targets they should be setting and, and how. Yeah, back to that question of Marta Juega. Hi, Marta. Um, unfortunately, there, there, is no, there is no way or certification or audit that actually um, certifies that you're doing things 90% uh, circular, let's say. I guess that one of the reasons behind this is because we're, we're this is quite new for the industry, for, at least for the wine industry. Um, the example I, I mentioned at the beginning, our biogas plant, which uh, manages 75% of, uh, of our organic grape. We're talking about 10,000 tons or more yearly on a yearly basis it's huge it's huge and we've done that we did that or we started this six years ago before circular uh, economy was actually in our agenda so i guess we're learning uh very fast this is coming in very quickly uh we're we're kind i think that we're facing and we're living a transformational process where we all are part of it, but there isn't in many at many levels there is there isn't so much methodology or metrics are there, but there are some discussions about how to measure carbon footprint, for instance, how to measure your water footprint. So there are lots of ideas going around. There are a lot of good initiatives, but not necessarily metrics are there yet. So back to your question, there is no certification, there is, but I guess there is something that I, I tend to find um, most important, which is the common sense. Um, and I think in this case, common sense tells me that we're doing things much better today than we, what we were six years ago. And to your question, Carrie, the other example I had just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a it accounts for less waste than, 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 than the one with the harvest waste. But um, for instance, what we're doing today, um, and, and it sounds, it, it, it's actually very innovative, is that we are also composing 100% of our, of the food garbage or food waste um, uh, that comes out from the, from our, the daily meals of our employees, taken into consideration that at least 400 to 500 people are having their main meals in our winery. So there's a lot of organic waste left. This would, a couple of years ago, go directly to landfill afterwards. What are we doing today with it? We're composing it, composing it with a very new technology. We put it into a container for a month. The container does, I don't know what, but the end result of, is, of it is that we get 5,000 tons of compost that is uh, that is sold afterwards and, and, and put into the back into the garden. So uh, again, there are small, big, uh, innovative, not so innovative initiatives, but they all tend to target a, a common objective, which is make things better, get out, I mean, uh, handle ways, uh, think twice before adding more packaging to your bottles, you know, think twice before adding, ca putting capsules on your bottle, think twice, and what Karen said, I mean, 
um, returnable and refundable uh, packaging is going to happen too. And 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 I guess it there it, it's it's you know where to start, not sure where to end, because it's a process, yeah. and we're no we're learning about uh, we're learn we're learning it uh, in a very fast way, but not necessarily. Uh, we don't have such a long trajectory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and I, I uh, Karen's sending some numbers around. Um, maybe Barbara, we can pull together some numbers for the audience because I think people are also looking at how much can I really save and the composting, um, different types of water initiatives. It's amazing how quickly that adds up from a climate impact but also from a livelihood development, a community development and resiliency, um, there, there's huge, huge value. So maybe I can, I can work with you and, and Paul to pull together some numbers. Um, maybe Paul, you know, you've been working on a lot of these different initiatives cross industry, but also, especially in the wine industry, have you seen some particularly uh, powerful consumer related stories that are pulling consumers into how to have sustainability impact that this matters to them, um, particular information so that, you know, as sustainability professionals, we also have to sell this within our own companies and, and make sure it makes sense um, for a marketing point of view, as well as just do the right thing. What are some of the things that you've learned or yeah. you can say this really is, is part of um, what consumers care about now and, and what you just have to do regardless? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic point. We can use wine brands to educate. And, and sometimes we have to be very explicit because, um, you know, not, not everybody is going to read the back label or go on the website and understand what you're doing. In fact, the majority of people don't. They, they need it really almost on the name of the brand and on the bottle, and they need to know why this is better and, and why they should be doing it. So, you know... One of the things I think I did want to pick up on, composting is linear. So it's great. I'm a, I compost. I am part of the global composting community, and I work with a lot of uh, professors of composting, but it's actually linear because the you know what we have disappears. So in, ter in order to get to full circularity, we stop we need to stop composting even which Barbara I'm sorry <laughs> it's a great thing to do but in the future we need to keep that material even the food waste from your kitchens needs to become something that is much more valuable than than than, than compost um because ultimately we have so much agri waste already you know china could actually fulfill all of its energy needs just with its agri waste you know britain could make all of its flexible packaging just from our sugar beet waste, never mind all the other agri-waste that we have. There's just so much of it. We don't need more. And what we need to do is, is keep that in the loop. So a great brand for me um, is one that actually talks the talk. So um, I'm probably going to say the name of the brand wrong. I think it's called Sea Change, and it's owned by someone that I know from the wine industry for a long time. But, you know, they are not only making their labels out of grape waste. Not only are they using 100% recycled glass, but they're giving 10% of profits to ocean conservation and the brand is growing at a spectacular rate. So we can use our brands to actually support conservation, support biodiversity, but also I think in future, you know, we need to really, really drive home the fact that this is a better way of doing things. So I look at um, the refill brands that exist already, um, brands like um, another old friend of mine for the wine street. If you Google crime of the century from wine ventures in Portugal, you'll see what they're doing with kegged wine. So they're not using, you know, they're using returnable kegs and they're put on bars. It's being done by a beer company. So they've gone to a beer distribution system to ship their wine around in these massive great kegs. The kegs come back, get refilled and refilled and refilled. But also, you know, um, if you look at Borough Wines in London, Borough have got Vino Tap, they've got wine on tap, they've got kegs, they've got all of these different circular systems. I think what, you know, what Karen's got is like this to the power of a thousand, you know, because you're literally changing, you know, the whole distribution system to make it fully circular. 
But, you know, we start to get LCA wins. Every cycle, every refill is a massive win in terms of carbon, um, you know, basically reducing, um, you know, carbon emissions. And the more we reduce emissions, the more everything sort of fits together. So definitely much to do, very little metrics. All the metrics are done by private companies, nothing standardized, Mm. no UN figures. So a lot more to do still. But yeah, let's get the consumers involved and excited. I think um, what would be great, uh, it's what I'm hearing from the group here and even looking, I was scanning through the questions just as as you're talking, there's some really great opportunities to maybe continue this conversation into logistics management and shipping. Um, Some of the questions that are coming through is bulk versus bottle, Uh, you know, like, you know, I guess there's pre-World War II shipping was, you know, used to come in in bulk and then bottled later, um, particularly when we're talking about international shipping. Um, And this could be coming into the, the, not post pandemic, but lived through pandemic world that now we're realizing we have to start thinking about international supply chains differently. Um, You know, some of the things you're also, I, I see is some of this world of design and packaging design. And then that means label design is a whole you know, conversation and detailed discussion on it. And that goes into a lot of IP and a lot of sensitive things. And to Paul's point, a lot of that is held behind closed doors. What I, again, I've seen in other industries is that there's licensing behaviors for sustainability impact that I haven't seen yet in the wine industry, but I think that's something that um, would be a really great further conversation among interested parties. So like, let's continue the discussion on how do you really enable that, um, you know, for your specific goals and sustainability, but tracking and engagement with consumers to get that collection or tap into Karen or a future licensing program of Karen's program or other like uh, programs. And then the real work on the wineries and someone was saying, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that the work at the vineyard and then the work that's outside the vineyard and pre vineyard and, and those sort of things. So, you know, there's so much work on how to prioritize what you're doing at the vineyard and, and at the growing site. Um, that also Paul, what you're saying on those metrics aren't, really aggregated as an industry, it seems, um, to show those targets. Yeah, I think all the metrics in the world are owned by private companies. There is no, all of these metrics. Well, not all, but yes. (laughs) No, they are. are, The metrics are being done. They are commissioned. No one Mm -hmm. is going out independently. No university professor is going around an industry and doing independent LCA work. It's all being done by for-profit companies. And this is an issue. Yeah, I mean, you you may dispute it, but you know, most of us who are ecologists rather than business people, um, this is our main gripe that the universities are paid by an industry to do these LCAs. And I've never seen an LCA that basically is favorable to the non-sponsor of the LCA. When when someone shows me one, then I'll believe in these metrics a bit. <laughs> well, I, I will say what a lot of industry associations and industry leaders outside of the wine industry have done, whether this be in, in different uh, industries, they oftentimes are pushing for those to um, be in a public realm so that multiple actors can use them. They're not usually strict LCA reports, but definitely ESG metrics that and targets that we can we can all work together on. But maybe that is part of these future conversations. I know Barbara and, and Karen have just said that they're more than happy to engage. Let's, uh, before we go, let's just do a round robin on what people would like to close on and how to get in touch if, if you'd like to engage further. Um, Barbara, let's start with you. No sound, Barbara. Yep, there you yeah, are. Sorry, the thing is, I missed my connection for a while, so I'm not sure I'm going to sound like a crazy woman, but I just wanted to no. take care of a question that was left on the chat, which is uh, in regards, there were two questions back to logistics and, and you know, the whether bulk or, or bottling from origin, which, which way would, would be better, where there's a lot of analysis, but the thing we're sure about is that shipping transport is the most efficient one in terms of carbon footprint. 
So um, this is something that we need to take in consideration. And, and, and there was another comment that, um, so uh, having said that, drinking local may not always be the, the, the best choice if you, if you are taking, if you're making your decision based on carbon footprint. So one ship from, let's say from Buenos Aires or from Valparaiso to Miami or, or San Francisco may have um, um, a, ver a very, a lower carbon footprint per bottle than having those bottles uh, transport by track from LA to from West Coast to East Coast. Why is that? Because volume-wise, uh, the most important, the, the most efficient navy is actually a, a ship. Um, the, the, the amount of cargo that they can handle, it's 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 impressive. It's impressive. So, having said that, I'm sure that we need to 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 impulse and 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 to work on a on an agenda and a collaborative agenda with shippers as well, and 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 start talking about new ways to to new ways of energy like green hydrogen and so on. And this is part of the next future that we need to address as well. Thank you, Barbara. And, and you know, maybe just in, in terms of follow-on, are there any groups or associations that you would recommend people to engage with you or to engage on these topics further? Oh, you're on mute. Yeah, sorry. Okay, there, there is one organization that we actually we had we 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 shared a panel yesterday. It's IWCA. It's a it's a very um, high professional organization that uh, was founded by two families, uh, Familia Torres in Spain and Jackson family and in, in, in California, and they're uh, they're committed to decarbonizing our industry within the next thirty years. And I, I seriously recommend that we actually invite other wineries and maybe why not other members of the supply chain uh, to join us in this effort. Um, I think that's, I would highly recommend to touch base with them. Thank you, that's great. Thank you. And Karen, over to you. So just real quickly, um, the, the refillable glass wine bottle is a very powerful answer to the last mile of sustainability and circular economy within, you know, all the industries, including wine. And I think wine is is, and I've been working on working um, in this space since 2016. Is wine is one of the most progressive industries in regards to sustainability. And we know, um, in talking to wineries, that this this is a very powerful solution for the wine industry in particular. And we invite anyone who's interested to reach out uh, so that we can work collectively uh, to look at, at the holistic way that we can bring these bottles into your particular winery and have that conversation. So thank you uh, for the opportunity to actually be here. Thank you, Karen. And Paul, over to you. I saw you shot your email to the group, but do you have any closing thoughts or uh, ways to get in touch um, or engage? Again, Carrie, just picking up on what you do is your business as well. The most important thing in every industry is what I call active transparency, i.e. telling us what you're doing wrong as well as what you're doing right. And traceability is absolutely key to this. So one of the key things that we don't find as you know, I'm a campaigner as well as a consultant, is active transparency. Brands are very good at telling us what they do do and very bad at telling us what they don't do. It's hidden. So in fact, in the UK, we now have new laws coming in next year whereby brands have to basically, in their claims, not omit anything or not make claims by omission by forgetting to tell us the bad stuff that they do. So I think this is gonna really up the ante if we can get that across Europe, because a lot of wine brands sell in Europe, um, because up to now brands have managed to say, we're greener, we're better, we do this more, but more than what? What is the percentage gain? Why was it so bad before? We need this active transparency. So any traceability, tracking, proper, genuine measurement, scientific measurement, much welcomed by all of us. Well, I couldn't underscore that enough. Um, thank you so much for everyone's time. Um, from my point of view, I'm excited to engage more with 
the wine and spirits industries broadly. Um, we're looking at packaging and traceability, but also enabling consumer engagement to see the value, um, but then also governments um, being able to report on that. So that's, that's part of the world that I engage with mostly. Um, you know, we're at the close of the hour. Couldn't say this is, it, you, we could talk on this for another 45 minutes easily, but I think everyone has, uh, you know, ways to get in touch. And thank you just so much for the organizers and the logistics uh, to put this on, event on. Thank you so much, everyone on the panel.